King Hall number 80. 8-0. Really? Yep. 80. So so now we're looking. I just I mean now you're looking three years from today. It's it's kind of unprecedented, really. It's unprecedented really to see that success on a boat that large right off the gate. And I remember thinking like when 10 got sold and it was like boom, 10. Then it was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and now 80. It's like I'm just trying to just trying to figure out how much I can sell my position for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, so for everybody that just joined us, everybody's kind of scratching their heads going, what the heck is Nick talking about? So and, and who is he talking to? So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Captain Keith from Marine Max and Clearwater, along with Captain Nick here at the St. Pete store. And we've got Alan Carter with us today. So he's got a very, very popular YouTube channel called The Wandering Hillbilly. Uh, he's also the director of The Voice, very popular television show, long-running show. And uh, Alan is a BVI expert. So you guys that are watching us, going to join us today, um, we're kind of going to try to talk about like troubleshooting some stuff, but any questions you've got on the BBI, Aquilas, and just, you know, you know how we roll. So whatever you want to bring, jump in there and uh, we'll try to get to your questions. See April Smith on there from uh, One Eyed Dog there already. I see that. Hello, April and Larry. <laughs> hey guys, good seeing you. Thanks for joining so well, welcome to Boating Tips Live, everybody. For those of you that have not joined before, this is a live broadcast. So Keith and I are here, of course, with Alan, and we see the questions they come in on the side. So anything you guys want to ask us in real time, go ahead, shoot it over. That's what this show is all about. It's about all of the live questions. If we cannot get to your questions live, which we will, if for whatever reason you cannot make it live, that's totally fine. We do go back and watch the film notes and watch the episodes. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, all major streaming platforms such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, and ask those questions and we'll get to them next week. But today, as Keith had mentioned, we're going to be talking with Alan a little bit. Of course, we never really stay on subject, but we're going to try to. And we're going to be talking about troubleshooting on boobs. If you guys have seen any of Alan's videos, he's having fun, right? We've said it before. Boating's recreational. Yeah, stuff's not perfect all the time, but boating is easy, as Alan said, and he'll talk to you about before, and you're out there to have fun. And sometimes you need to troubleshoot. When you're at sea, a lot of times, right, there's no plumbers, there's no electricians, there's there's no mechanics. So you need to know a little bit about that on your own. Of course, down in the BBIs at the Marine Max's fleet. They do have people there, but a lot of times you don't even need that. I mean, how many times just through some basic troubleshooting, guys, you can get to the base of the problem and it's something as simple as a breaker flipped or something not turned on and cleaning a strainer or yeah. whatever. So before we get into that kind of stuff, hey, Alan, how about so the wandering hillbilly yep. and the whole BBI stuff? How did how did this morph into this and, and, and what got you into chartering boats well as far as how the youtube channel developed i have no clue <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just happened uh I, I started i i go on this uh this ship called sea dream yacht club I actually just got off of it last week it's a very small cruise ship like 90 people right so we we have a lot of friends who do it so we just love it and we were going to the bvi a lot and one night the ship anchored out uh off a of great harbor at yost van dyke and we went into foxy's and 
uh, only a few people came in from the ship, but yet the place was packed. And I kept thinking to myself, where the hell did all these people come from? And I yeah. looked out in the harbor and I, there, there it was. And I thought to myself, that's the way to go. Because these guys can stay here as long as they want. They can stay here on the ball for three days if they want. They can go anywhere else. They can go certainly go where that ship that I'm on can't go. And I have to be back on the ship at 10 p.m. They don't have to. So the, the whole thing about chartering and making your own vacation and being captain of your own cruise ship, so to speak, just really appealed to me. And it made sense. And I, I've grown up around boats all my life, never really owned one. Uh, so I, when I got back home, I went over to Marina del Rey and took some courses and learned about boats that size and started operating boats that size and started chartering. And because I know a lot about cameras and editing and stuff, I just decided to start filming some of it because my kids and my nieces and my mom was with me one time and that just kind of snowballed into this channel. And, uh, people just started asking me a bunch of questions about chartering in the BVI. And I just started answering them honestly. And, and, and to be honest, when I first started chartering, I was all over YouTube trying to find answers. How do right. you, how do you pick up a mooring ball in the BVI? Just simple stuff like that. Right. And there, there really wasn't all that many videos out there to, to, to look at. So I thought, well, I know I got a camera, I know how to talk. So I just, I started doing it myself. And so it, it just, it just snowballed into this. So that's kind of the quick story of how I kind of got to this position. I think a lot of people are intimidated, you know, as far as charters go opposed to like a cruise ship or something like that. And then you start talking about the big catamarans, the power catamarans. Hey, do I need a captain? Do I need a captain? It's interesting, especially you get over 40 foot, you start getting a 50 foot, like 54s. We'll talk about that in a minute. I, when you get over the intimidation of the size, yeah, it it really, it's really nothing to be scared about. I mean, you you can probably talk about how easy it is just with a little bit of know how, a little bit of confidence, yeah. watching your YouTube videos and stuff like that. It's, it, I I don't think that it's something that you need to be worried about quite as much of like, oh man, I'm going to be constantly worried about driving the boat. I'm going to be looking right. over my shoulder, opposed to just having fun. Yeah. Um, like you clearly do. I've seen the videos. It's all uh, wide open. Now. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is I, I think, it, and I say this a lot on my channel, it it really depends on your personality. It really, really does. Because if yeah. you're the type of person who worries a lot, thinks way ahead, tries to plan ahead, try, it, it may not be your thing to be a captain of something that's 50 foot like that, at, at least the first time. Right. Right. Um, because uh, you really got to roll with the punches out there. And as far as the BVI is concerned, if you get lost in the BVI, you are one bad navigator. <laughs> you uh, get lost in the paper bag then. There's an island with sight everywhere, right? And so all you got to do is just look at your nav and see where you are. So it's, it's very easy and simple to navigate in the BVI, especially. Uh, and I think as far as the size of the vessel, uh, I, you know, I, I jumped in on a 51 footer. That was my first charter ever, if you can believe that. But I had been I had been working with some boats of similar size here in Marina del Rey. So I really wasn't worried about that. Um, but I, I, again, my personality was I'm going I've, I've got my training. I know what to do. If I get in trouble, I got a phone. I can call them. I can call Marine Max. Or I was with Moorings that first time that I could call them. And uh, they they can come out pretty quickly or help you fix it over the phone. So it's really nothing to be that stressed about. I mean, you can really troubleshoot 
pretty easily and quickly on these boats. I, I mean, I, I, I do say probably more than experience of at, even being at the wheel, you just need to know how a boat functions, right? You just need to right. know how, how, how important water is and how it functions in the boat, what the bilge pumps are all about. You know, you just need to kind of know basically how a boat works. And once you have that knowledge, you can pretty much figure out what's wrong pretty quickly. So into that statement you just did there, we just had a question pop up, the last one on there. So can you describe the checkout captain process? So you get an orientation on the boat. You, yes. you Somebody's going you know, to walk through that boat with you and say, keep an eye on this. If this happens, do this and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's not just I, give you keys and say, see you later. Have fun. We'll see you in a week. Right. And I promise you, I have perfected this little thing. So what I learned the first time I went is we had the whole captain's experience and things like that. And then I took off and it was on an Aquila 48. And uh, about a half day in, I thought, oh, well, let me turn on the water maker. And I went over there and I kind of remembered how to turn <laughs> turn it on. So what I learned on that trip is when the, the person comes on board to show you the entire boat, record the entire thing. That's Have a good your one. wife, your friend, your husband or whatever with the phone follow you and record the entire darn thing. Because what happens is, is little, little things about how does how do we turn on the light in that cabin? I can't remember. Uh, you go back and you look and then you can figure out and, and know exactly how to do it. Um, so they do go through every aspect of it. They talk about navigation. They talk about uh, places not to go because maybe it may be a little too shallow for your draft or something like that. Um, so they kind of give you a full kind of a full scale once over on the boat. Again, assuming that you know really how a boat works before this starts. Uh, and it's very thorough. And there are you have several phone numbers that you can call in case you need to ask questions again or get in trouble. And uh, so by the time you're ready to go in the morning, the first morning of, you feel pretty darn prepared. And you're right there and with Marine Max. It's at Nanny Key. And if you need to ask another question, just walk right over there and grab them, bring them back to the boat and ask them another question. Right. Just don't take off until you're really, really feeling yeah. good about it and feeling confident that you know exactly where you're going and what you're doing and what to do in case of any sort of failure that may or may not happen on that boat. We got some good questions coming in here, Alan. You scroll back. Yeah, can we scroll up? Because this there's one that only you can answer because I've never been in a BBI, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've got Lee here that says, how far from... Uh, can, can, oh, how far it. from Leverick to Sabah? I'm taking the MM443 for, for Aquila in two weeks. So I needed to take the boat to both. Do I or take land the taxi. boat to both or land taxi? So well, are you familiar with that area? Yes. Well, first of all, I've been chastised. It's pronounced Saba. Saba. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> my bad, yes. Saba Rock. Uh, well, since Saba is a rock in the middle of the water, you cannot take a taxi to it. You can only get there by boat. So, uh, and that Leverick and Saba are 15 minutes away from each other by boat, literally. So you can do one of two things. What I did is I, I grabbed a mooring ball at Saba uh, and at the end of the day, ate, drank there, had dinner, spent the night there, and then I just motored over to Leverick, tied up at Leverick. Then I got a taxi to, to go up to the baths and hog heaven or any, anywhere I wanted to go on Virgin Gorda. Leverick is a great place to centralize from because it's in the, on the main part of Virgin Gorda, the island. 
and you can get to all those fabulous restaurants over in Spanish Town, Little Dick's Bay, all that area. So Leverick is a good hub. So, and you can absolutely take your dinghy from Leverick to save it. It's a very long dinghy ride. So I don't, I don't, and depending on the weather, I don't know if I would actually do that. But moving your boat from Leverick to Saba is so easy. It's 10, 15 minutes and you're done. But you cannot take a taxi to Saba. You can only get to Saba by boat. Yeah, that's Saba Rock Restaurant and that whole facility. I mean, it, it's just, it's literally a rock, right? When you guys pulled up, I'm like, damn, look at that. That's cool. You know, it's like yeah. this building right there. Yeah. Then you guys went there for dinner, man. It looked pretty cool. And I tell you, I've been to that place before the hurricane and man, have they poured money into that thing. It is gorgeous. Yeah that place and it was never that gorgeous before it was cool but it wasn't that high class and gorgeous and so and the bitter end uh, you know uh, i saw a picture from somebody there about a week ago i did not stop there because they were still in their soft opening uh, but it is nowhere near the size it used to be uh, so it's funny when you see these places get rebuilt after hurricane some have good financial backing some didn't so saba came back strong really strong and i highly recommend everybody stop and save so, so lee's got another question here as well i'm not going to say it i'll just i'll butcher another one you don't even need to hit the show on the anagata yeah you're getting into anagata uh, you know what here's another thing about being stressed if if, if you're a low stress person and you you're you're good with navigation getting into anagata is a piece of cake because red right return right that's all you got to do and just follow it straight in. And it's simple. And it's 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 on your navigation. It's on uh, the 54. That My 54 had a Bray Marine. Yeah, and it was there. The other thing I do, and, and this is a charter thing, I, I think for charters, yes, every boat I have has navigation on it, of course. But those boats are individually owned, right? So it's it, they're in the charter program. So whatever is on the, those boats is what the owner ordered. Meaning your charter, every charter boat is going to be a little bit different than the other charter boat, just a little bit. So what I do for consistency is, is I bring my iPad with my Navionics and that's yeah. what I use every single time because that way I can program every move I'm going to make before I even leave my home. Right. And I've got all my routes programmed and everywhere I want to go. So that I just open up my iPad and I just follow my iPad, the root on my iPad. Now, I can't link my iPad to the, or if I can, I don't know about it. I can't link it to the Raymarine or the Garmin or whatever I have, but that's okay. I just kind of follow the route that I already had on my iPad. That way it stays consistent. And as far as getting into Anagata with Navionics, as you know, you can blow it up and look and see the depths. And, and so it, that way your confidence really grows in getting into Anagata. And all you do is just follow the markers and go right in and you'll be fine. Yeah. And how cool is that ahead of time? Right. Like talk about anticipation, you know, you're sitting there at the house a week or two ahead before you go getting your ducks in a row and you're sitting there with an avionics app on your iPad, yep. you know, you're getting fired up. You're going, Oh yeah. Okay. We're going to go from here. Then we're going to be there. And you already know ahead of time, you know, exactly what's going to go down. I will say I, I, I can do that because of how many times I've been to the BVI. I've been there so many times that I, I know the routes, right? And so I'm yeah. all asked about, I got asked uh, by someone a couple of weeks ago, what's the best route from Norman to Yosef Van Dyke? And well, once you've been there, you know, there really is only one route. But if you look at the, the map and the Navionics, there are several islands you kind of got to go in and around. 
but there's really only one way to go, right? So it's always good um, to kind of share these roots and what have you with people if you can. Uh, and I'm actually thinking about doing some YouTube videos about roots in the BDS, yes. right? And and um, and so once you kind of know those roots, it's it's pretty easy. So while we're on the topic of different roots and places in the BVIs, we got some more questions. But before we get to go to those, I'm going to rapid fire one at you. Okay, we can do this all day. Top three experiences or places throughout all of your vacations down in the islands. So, uh, in the BVI. Yep. Uh, well, I'm an Anagata freak. I, I, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm not I'm so disappointed in myself. Every time I go, I only stay one day, which is ridiculous. Uh, but I'm on a schedule, you know, and that's the thing about chartering seven days. You, you're, you get yourself on a schedule and you got to go, go, go. So if you can do it 14 days or 10 days, I highly recommend that because I'd love to stay more days at Anagata. Um, I, I just like that primitive sort of feeling of there's no, there's no McDonald's. There's nothing like that. It's just, you're on a Caribbean island there, right? So I love that. Uh, Anagata is always a highlight to me. Uh, I, everybody's going to say Yos Van Dyke, and you have to because the experience of White Bay and being at Soggy Dollar and then going to Foxy's that night is truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and everybody loves doing it, and it's exactly what everyone says. Fantastic, right? Um, I also love Cooper Island, and this is the complete opposite of Anagata. For me, Cooper is just kind of a country club resort feel and i i just love that place and i've got a rum bar there that i just i absolutely die <laughs> rum but uh i don't know they're kind of my top three i i, I could go on and on and on though because staying yeah. spending a couple of days on virgin gorda is amazing too there's so much to do on virgin gorda so a lot to do I, you know i see a question over here I, can i jump in and just ask one question yeah, yeah. absolutely uh should i plan to fly into st thomas or tortola all right this is a great question especially right now because of COVID. So if you want me to jump into that, I can, I can answer both. I have always just flown into St. Thomas simply because it's easy, right? Especially coming from California, because coming from California, I've got to overnight to Miami or Charlotte. And then I, and then two hours later, I'm on a plane and I land in St. In St. Thomas, I don't know, like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So now usually I go over to the ferry station. I, drink a painkiller. I get on the ferry. I go, it's an hour long ferry ride. I get there. You check into the BVI, you get into town, you go to Nanny Key or Moorings or wherever you're going. So that whole process is, is the way it is usually. Now, a lot of people will fly right into Beef Island or Tortola. It's a very small plane. My wife hates small planes. So we've just decided always to go to St. Thomas. So you can do one or one or the, uh, one or the other. I think to go to Tortola though, you got to come out of San Juan. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, the difference is right now, is if you fly into St. Thomas, you're having to do COVID reporting or checking in in two different countries. Uh, so if you fly to St. Thomas, you got to go to USVI travel portal and you've got to get your green QR code. So what you got to do is you got to get on their website. It's free. You fill out this form. You upload your COVID vaccination card. You upload your negative uh, COVID test that you've just had within 48 hours. And then they email you this green QR code. So when you fly into St. Thomas, you show them your green QR code and you're good to go. Um, if you get a red QR code, which means you, you didn't pass, that just means you, yeah, filled out, you just filled out the form wrong. It happened to me once and I just I just didn't fill out the form correctly. So everyone, as long as you have those two things to upload, you'll get your green QR code. 
So then you go into St. Thomas. Then I I did not take the ferry this time. This was uh, my trip that I just did in January because the ferries are not running on regular schedules right now because of COVID. Not everyone's back. So like Roadtown Fest Ferry only goes a couple of days a week. Then another ferry goes the other two days of the week. So instead of trying to hit and miss our schedule and make our schedule work with all these ferries, I just decided to hire um, Island Time Water Taxi, a private water taxi. And that um, they picked us up at the airport, put us in a van. We went over to Red Hook, got on a boat right away, went straight to Soper's Hole, which is only 20 minutes from Red Hook. And then that we got checked into the BVI right there and we were done. I mean, it was amazing. Like 30, 40 minutes after we left the airport, we're already at Nanny Key uh, getting on our boat. That we just Now, it's not cheap. It cost us a little more than a grand more, but there's six of us, so we could divide it up, right? So, uh, so if you're willing to, to pay that cost, it's very easy to get into the BVI with these COVID restrictions right now. As far as getting into the BVI, if you're vaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated, you do not have to go through their travel portal or anything like that. You just have to show your proof of your vaccination card and that you've had a test within 48 hours. If You can actually do a test within five days, but the problem with that is if, if it's, that, this gets confusing, if it's more than 48 hours or less than five days, you have to test again when you get to the BVI. And that's a little bit, that's a little bit stressful because what if you made it all that way and all of a sudden it pops out positive, right? So I suggest getting tested 48 hours or less, and that helps you get into the USVI and to the BVI all in one fell swoop. Uh, I don't know what you do when you fly into Beef Island because I haven't done that before, but it sounds to me like you don't have to do the US Virgin part of it because you're coming from San Juan, but I don't know what San Juan's COVID issues are. I don't know if it's the exact same as the US or not right now. So I hope that answers your questions. And um, and I will say that the airport on Tortola are playing all of the Wandering Hillbilly videos on their screens in the airport. Yeah, yeah there you go. That's yeah. answered. They didn't ask me for permission, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there I am. I will say, you know, obviously flying in and out of Beef Island and Tortola is much easier as far as when you return. Because as we all know, we got to turn our boats in before 10 a.m., and then we got to get home. Well, if you get if you're taking a ferry or a taxi over to St. Thomas for that 3 p.m. flight that they have, right? You just have to make sure that your ferry situation is all worked out for that. From Beef Island, I mean, you know, it's a 15, 20 minute taxi ride from after you turn your boat in, and you're at the airport, you're ready to go. So there is an advantage to that, but they are very small planes, so you have to be good with that. Cool. So can you see April Smith's question there to you? How's the markets of Sofer's Hole these days? It used to be nicer than Rightway. I did, I've never been to the market at Sofer's Hole. I don't, you know, and I never was there before it got blown away. I will say that um, I was there, when, when was I there? Is it eight, end of 18 or 19, first of 19. And uh, they were still struggling to, to build everything back. But I hear... It's great now. And I went into Sofer's Hole to check in at BVI, but we, we were on the other side of the, the bay there. I didn't actually go into town, so I didn't I didn't get over there. They do have an amazing restaurant called Omar's Fusion That's that I highly recommend to anyone who goes anywhere near Sofer's Hole. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. All right, and then we got Migs Uji. Primus 
pronounce that, but what is the best nightlife spot for a Saturday night in the BVI? Well, let me, well, let me tell you something, Migs. Every night is Saturday night in BVI. Don't you know this? <laughs> I, it doesn't matter what night you go where. It's a party. I mean, it's a party every night at Foxy's. It's a party every day at Soggy Dollar. Um, Leverick Bay has a, a barbecue on Friday night that I absolutely adore because the food is amazing. And then they have stilt walkers and you can dance outside and fire throw guys and what have you. Uh, they're amazing. And I'm sure their Saturday night is pretty good, too. Um, I just depends on what you mean by nightlife. Like, I'm not sure what nightlife means. Um, you know, to me in the BBI, nightlife is a great dinner on the beach and then maybe a DJ playing or something and that you can kind of bounce your head to and drink another painkiller with. Uh, at my age, that's all I want to do. But, <laughs> I, but for younger kids, like I see a lot of them at Leverick Bay dancing. I see a lot of them at Foxy's, obviously. Uh, do I order cigars in advance? I bring my own, basically, because to me, it's like wine, exactly. You know, they have a lot of cigars at Foxy's that you can buy, that you can stock up on. Um, and there's some on Tortola as well. I think Cooper has some as well. But they're really expensive, like really. I mean, and they're all Cuban, so rightly so, I guess. But uh, I, I bring my own cigars to answer that question. <laughs> We got one more question, and I've got a little game that we're going to play on troubleshooting here. So um, we got Alan Wilhelm, and he says, I'm looking at a charter in January to February 2023, but I have some people who are worried about water temperature. Yeah, don't worry about it. Carolina, so when would it be better? Don't worry about it. I just went last week of January, and the water temp is about 82. So nice. if you can't handle that, then you shouldn't go to the BVI. Uh, I, you know, I've been there in June and July as well. The water temps up around 85, 86 and, and yeah. the air, air temperature is hotter as well. Not that much hotter though. Uh, so if, if you're really sensitive to colder water, yes, summer's better. But, uh, I also find that the summer, the water's rougher in the summer. Uh, at least that's what yeah. I, I don't know if that's actually true, but that's just what I have found. Um, so I, again, I've been to the Bahamas several times in a charter and that one I would say in January is a little cooler than I'm comfortable with a little bit because you have to remember the Bahamas is equal to Florida, right? And the BVI is what? 900 miles South, something like that. Yeah. So it's warm down there all the time. Cool. So Let's get into the segment here, Alan and Keith. We're all going to kind of bounce this off of each other. We're going to start talking about troubleshooting. And I've got a few things laid out for us. Um, we'll round robin it a little bit. And we're going to go through our troubleshooting process. Yours is somebody that's been on a, a good amount of vacations on these larger boats. And, of course, Keith and I running boats every day. How our troubleshooting process looks like. And, I mean, I, I, I'll say it. I, I'm going to say that 90% of issues that you run into with a little bit of basic knowledge and troubleshooting, you can, it can be like it never even happened, right? right. So I'm going to run a few scenarios by you guys. <clears throat> One, you're out on the hook, right? You're on a mooring. Boat won't start. Initially, okay, you're thinking I'm dead in the water. My vacation's over. It's the end of the world. Boat won't start. Alan, I'm going to let you go first, then I'll go to Keith, and then I'll go to myself. 
What's the first thing that runs through your mind? What's the first thing that you're going to check? Well, have I let go of the ball yet? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're adrift. Uh, first thing, well, I, you know, your checklist goes through your head, right? Yeah. Did something trip? Did there's a, uh, on the moorings, for whatever reason, there's a trip inside a closet of one of the staterooms. Yeah. First thing you think of, did somebody open that closet door and trip? You know, so you just kind of go through your checklist of what exactly could be happening here. I once fired up both engines. I think this was on a 48. No, it was on a yeah. 50, it was a Moorings 51. I fired up both engines. We let the ball go. I pushed the, the, the throttle and I started turning to the left, immediately letting me know that my port engine was not on. Or something was something was happening. Yeah, I immediately stopped, and now I'm drifting. And of course, I'm in a mooring field. And I'm like, holy shit! So <laughs> uh, I, I just quickly stopped. I turned off both engines. I turned them both back on, and boom, we were gone. So the bottom line was, yeah. I I just didn't really fully turn on the engine. Didn't catch on on the port side, and I didn't check it before I took off, which was my mistake, right? I should at least throttle it a little bit to make sure I got it or have somebody look back there and tell me that it's gone. So uh, just those sorts of things can happen. And so the, the plan is, is don't panic, right? Go through, go through your knowledge, go through your checklist, do logical things and you should be fine. <clears throat> uh, can I, can I, jump, you, can I jump back one quick? Yeah, Alan, absolutely. Alan just asked a, a follow-up question to that part that whatever that question was about. Uh, it looked less crowded. On yes, it was less crowded this time because people still aren't fully back from COVID yet. That's why it was less crowded. So anyway, okay, go ahead. Okay. So yeah, engine wise, I mean, it's going to be you know, did you forget to turn your battery switches on? Right, you might have. You know, there's a key. you slide a little cover up and got the on and off buttons and all that. Um, the other thing though too is with these Volvos, you've got the little key fob that you can lock out your ignitions and it's something else too, that it's just safety related on the Volvo throttles, Mercruiser too, anything with JPO and all that stuff. You've got a throttle only button. Mm -hmm. So if you're at the helm of your boat and the engines are running and you walk away from the helm to go do anything, you're going to go run down to grab a mooring ball, help out, do something, get a gaff, do whatever. I don't care. Get a bucket to wash the boat. If the engines are running and you walk away from the helm, just get in the habit of hitting that throttle only button because if somebody happens to be wandering by and trips, falls, bumps, hits those throttles, the boat's not going to go into gear. You're not going to throw somebody off the boat. You're not going to run into something and all that stuff. So on the orientations I do on all these boats, anything that's got the digital electric throttles and stuff like that, there's that throttle only button. I, I stress that you guys have all heard me mm -hmm. beat, beat a horse to death. You know what? I would uh, highly recommend you conveying that to the staff down in BVI because no one's ever said that to me down there. Uh, no, and that's that. That's a lesson learned the hard way too. It's uh, you know, you know, you can fire them up and you can throttle only. You can rub them up, make sure they're ready to go, and all that stuff. But seriously, though, you walk away from it, hit hit that button. Yep. You know, or shut it down. Good tip. Thank you. Everyone. How about you? What I would do: boat doesn't start there. One, don't outsmart yourself, right? Yeah, and yeah. I give this lesson on every single orientation I do. You're not dealing with this on the larger boots. On smaller boots, like if we're talking about like outboard motors and stuff, 
I have done it multiple times, but it won't start. Check the kill switch, right? How many times have you had people call you on a weekend and say, hey, Captain Keith, Captain Nick, but it won't start. Check the kill switch. Okay, I'm good. That's the first thing that I check. You get to these larger boats here. And, and, don't, and don't laugh about that. Either. Make sure you're neutral. Yeah. On a larger boat and a smaller boat, it might look like you're in neutral. But if it's not in neutral, your boat's not going to start. And so that's another big thing to check. Make sure that you're in neutral. Of course, after that, one of the things that's going through my process, checking your batteries on these larger boats. Any any boat you're going to charter, everything is going to be laid out nicely on the breaker panel with your main battery switches, engine batteries, generator batteries, of course, your house battery. If my normal troubleshooting doesn't work, go to that breaker panel. Chances are you'll find something that's not flipped. So that that that's what it's going to be for me. And yeah, I mean, like yeah. it's like down there in the BBI, they're not. You know, you're running a generator. Your generator's going to start up when you leave the dock, and you're not turning the frigging thing off. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's not like you're going to go in and you're flipping over, you're pulling up the docks and plugging in shore power and and switching stuff around where. You know, you can trip a breaker down in the bilge or something like that on that. But this one incident on a 48, um, which was a little uh, not trying. I mean, it was it's, it's just a process you have to go through. So we got the boat in the morning, day one. We left Tortola and went straight to the Baz. We picked up a ball at the Baz. We took our dinghy, dinghy swam in. And when I left, I checked full of full of fuel, full of. Fresh water, we're all good. We spend the day at the baths. We come back, and I walk onto the boat. Bilge pump is working on starboard side, and I have zero fresh water. All right, well, okay, so I'm not going to panic because the bilge pump is on because the bilge pump's working. Great. Okay. So to me, all right, so put two and two together here. So all my fresh water is gone, and the bilge pump is working. I got a leak in my freshwater tank, right? That has mm-hmm. to be. So, you know, pull up the floors, look, everything's dry, everything's fine. So the pumps did their job. So uh, so to me, that was easy. So I just called up Marimax. Okay, so this is what's happening. What do you think? They're like, well, you got a leak in your in your uh, freshwater tank. So, Great. Okay. I figured it out. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> as long as you know how things like that work, and then you come in and just assess the situation, it's pretty simple. So now the unfortunate part is for what it was later that it, it was, I don't know why, but for whatever, they couldn't come up until the morning to take care of it. So we just had to use the bath. Well, we had plenty of water for, for using the bathroom, but we couldn't take showers till the next morning, which was fine. Just jump in the water with a bar of soap and you're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so they showed up early the next morning and sure enough, there was just a little bow that they had to fix and then it started making water and it was fine. But that's the kind of sort of troubleshooting you have to do on these charters, uh, especially if your boat is three to five years old. You know, and I stress this a lot. Look, I know it costs a lot more to do a brand new boat, but they are generally in better shape. Now, look, I'm not dogging Marine Max and Moorings or anything like that because you guys take great care of those boats, but it is what it is, right? It is, it is a four or five year old boat versus a brand new boat. It's just things break, right? Yeah. So, uh, so if you can spend the extra money to get the newer boats, uh, it's great. We had, um, one instance on one boat where, uh, just for the number of people we had, we, we just pulled too much AC on the generator at night. And when we got onto a newer boat, didn't have that problem. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's, it's, it's every boat's different. And uh, so you just kind of have to troubleshoot depending on what boat you are and what the, what the situation is. <clears throat> Got another situation here that we're going to round robin again, and you kind of already hit on it. It's hot. Summertime. Your AC is not turning on. Now everybody's starting to freak out. It's hot. What's the first thing you go to? I'll start it off, okay? Because nothing, the, the AC is broken in my house right now, by the way. I get it. It's, I got to go home and get the AC. But are you, you, are you call the AC repairman? Well, you call the AC repairman, which is not, there's not always one out at sea, okay? And you don't want to spend a hot night on the boat. Are you, on, are you on generator or shore power? Let's say you're on generator, but the generator is running. AC is not running. What's going to go through my mind? Okay, how do, how do all these systems work on a lot of these boats? It's a water-cooled system with a, with a glycol system, right? The only thing that's going to make those air conditioners, in my mind, there's two things I'm going to check, and it's going to fix it every single time, unless, of course, something actually is wrong, which it's usually not the case. Going to check your glycol levels. Going to check your strainers. You probably don't deal with the strainer issue as much down in the BVIs because the water is so clear. Up here, anyways, your AC is not pumping. There's no water pumping. Pop that strainer open. Chances are it's got some mud in it. So that's one thing I go to. Second thing I go to, check the glycol level because the glycol is either going to heat up or cool down that water. And at that point, that's you know when, okay, it's blowing, but it's not cold or it's blowing, but it's not hot if you want heat. Those are the two things I'm going to go in. And then you lead into a situation like you were in with the fresh water tank. Okay, is it a hose clamp somewhere? Do I need some plumber's tape or something like that? That that's my troubleshooting. What about you? So you mentioned shore power or generator. Let's say that you're on the hook out there, your AC kicks off. Where do you go? How do you handle that? You get everybody cool in the boat. Well, I, same exact thing you just talked about. Usually, I go to, straight to water issue. Yeah, uh, uh, I've um, I've done the Bahamas a couple of times. And inevitably and invariably in the Bahamas, you're in, in incredibly shallow water. And so I check all of my filters at night, you know, over and over constantly in the Bahamas uh, that you don't really need to do in the BVI. So it kind of depends on where you are. But that would be the first thing I would check. Uh, breakers, I would check that too. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm still learning about things like this. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly past that checklist what I would do. Um, next thing I would do is I'd call my, whoever I'm chartering from <laughs> uh, and try to figure that out. So, yeah, I think we had uh, once in the Bahamas, our, 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 generator pretty much died in the middle of the night. And, uh, of course, along with it, with the air conditioning. And, um, I was just too tired to do it in the middle of the night. First thing I got up in the morning and sure enough, the filter was just full of sand. The whole, the whole thing was, so yeah. we just flushed the whole thing out. And got it working again, so that's that was you know easy to troubleshoot on that one. So uh, generally, it's some it, that's generally the culprit in, in that situation, especially if you're in shallow water. Yeah, good water flow, whether it's coming through the seacocks or coming through the strainer, whatever it is, they're gonna they're gonna need a lot of flow, and you can hear it when it's on too. I mean, can, it, I, answer, it, can, it, I, answer this, can I answer this question that Rob yep. Braidwood just asked? Yep, yeah, uh, I can't see it. Where is it? Scroll back down. He said mostly oh, Mexico. Indicate that yeah, you shouldn't need to get fuel during a normal seven-day charter by the Allen's video. He got one. Okay, well, the reason why I got fuel on day five is I'm the kind of guy who, when my fuel gets past three-quarters full and I see a gas station, I stop anyway. And that this is from my off-roading days. I've been an off-roader for 
many, 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 many years. And I am trained. If I see a gas station, fill it up before I get, I go out in the middle of nowhere. That's just a, something I do. So that's why I did. Could I have made it the entire seven days without refueling? Yes. I would have been down to a quarter or less. Uh, so what I did is I filled up on day five because I was right there and it was easy to do. And so I ended up paying for fuel at two different stops rather than one stop at the end. That was a preference of mine. You don't actually have to do that unless you're really motoring around all over the place uh, for those seven days. <clears throat> Casey's got a good question here. looks like he, they're heading down there next week. So I got a feeling this is going to be dependent on wind direction. But how rough are the mooring fields? Next week shows 20 mile an hour winds. Our charter, do you expect that we may have to be flexible on where to moor? Um, I don't know that you'll have to be flexible on where, do you, where you moor because most ball fields are in bays that are okay, and the 20-mile-an-hour won't affect you that much. Mm -hmm. uh, what you may have to be flexible on are your roots, and depending on, uh, and I'm honest about this, it depends on the stomach of your crew, right? So 20 miles an hour can 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 be a little rough out there. It's not that rough, but you can make it less rough by taking a shorter route, right? So you just have to kind of figure out, do I really want to fly to Anagata on the day where the wind is the highest? Because Anagata, you're in the middle, you're, you're literally out where you can't see land. It's the only island in the BVI that's that way, right? And if you're, if, and it's an hour and a half to get there. So if you're doing this the whole time, your crew may not like you very much by the time you get there, unless you changed your schedule to go out there when it calms down a little bit. So I think it's more about changing and being flexible with your roots and where you're going as far uh, rather than the mooring balls. All the mooring balls, like I said, are pretty well protected. And a guy is not really that well protected, but you'll be fine. You'll be fine picking up balls with, with those kind of winds. And a guy is an hour and a half away from the other stuff. Depends on that's how fast. I mean, depends how fast. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, with you, man. That's, I, 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 I'd be there. Just, yeah. I went 16 knots and I got there in about an hour and 10, something like that. Hour and five, maybe. I don't know. Alan's um, got a very, Alan's got a great question on here too. Um, if this is your first trip. Do you have any reservations taking four couples? A 48 boat can get a little small, if you know what I mean. We're all good friends and we want to stay that way. Well, look, just choose your friends wisely. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's nothing worse than being on a, bo a boat for a week in close quarters and, you know, the guy's obnoxious or the woman's obnoxious or, uh, you know, I, it's you just pick your friends wisely and know you're going to be living in a small house with them for seven days. So you just have to have to pick people that you're really, really great friends with. I will say on a 48 that size, it is it. You can get away from everyone. You really can. Uh, there are plenty of spaces and you can just go down to your stateroom if you want to. But um, I, I don't find. And, and the other thing is, is that you're, you're not really on the boat that much, really. Right. I mean, think about it. You get to your destination. There's something to do because you're there to get off the boat and go do it. Right. So you're away from the boat and you, and then you come what happens to us at least is we get there in the morning or noon or something. We go do our activities. We come back around four or five cocktail hour, a little swimming. Everybody takes a shower and we go to dinner or you, you, you eat on board or you go to dinner somewhere. I like going to dinner every night. So we never eat on board. Um, so 
we go to dinner. So you're off the boat again and you're back. And by that time, it's time to have a nightcap and go to bed. So, you know, it's not really like you're spending a hell of a lot of time cramped up on the boat with all eight of you. I mean, even even if you are on the boat, that 48. It's pretty big. You know, somebody could be in the galley. Somebody could be sitting at the bar. Somebody else is sitting back on the swim platform. Somebody else is up on the bridge. I mean, you can get away. You can couples can go have their own, you know, time together and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's that catamaran. That's the beauty of it is the beam on that thing and just how much room you do get. And with the forty eight, with four couples, everybody's going to have the same stateroom, the same head, all that stuff. You don't have to argue about. Well, who gets the master? Who gets this one and that? And then the quarters for all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. On the 54, whoever's the captain gets the main master. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, one other thing about uh, eight people, though, I will say the dinghy ride can get a little adventurous because it's it's That's not Alan's a big, next question. It's not a big dinghy, right? And and you have to be honest with this question as well. How big are the people on your boat? Okay. So if you're normal size, eight people, you'll be fine. A little cramped, but fine. If we have some people who are a little larger, taller, bigger, what have you, you may need to take two trips, right? Yeah. Uh, and it also depends on how comfortable everyone is with eight people weighing that dinghy down that much. And how far are you going, right? If, you, if you're just going right there, Saber Rock is, you know, 100 yards away, that's fine. But if, if it's a little bit of a trek, right, to get there with eight people, is that too far and do we all feel comfortable? And at night, eight people weighing down a dinghy, right? And as yeah. they swim well, you know, so all these questions you kind of have to analyze and think about as far as your group is concerned uh, with eight people. The only thing I would say that you may want to consider is the dinghy ride. If it's, if it's far and people are uncomfortable, maybe you take two trips, you know? So I got one more question for you, and I wanted to ask it now because I wanted you to have a little bit of time to answer it. You be honest. What is your craziest, wildest vacation story while being down there? Like, what, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? Craziest thing that's happened? What do you mean? His buddy Ron busting his head, jumping off the Willie T. <laughs> No, that's not the craziest. Let me see. Uh, uh, there are two things, and this one of them's actually silly. Uh, the other one was my fault, but it turned out to be funny. Um, we were coming. We were in the Bahamas, and we were coming back from on the dinghy to the boat. And I had my daughter, her friend, my niece, her friend, and my mom. So. And I was the only dude. So uh, we're coming back and everybody's a little tipsy because we just had a few at dinner and what have you. And we're flying along, got the flashlight up front. Everything's fine. I see the boat. Everything's great. All of a sudden, this fish, I mean, like this size, jumps in the dinghy. <laughs> you have never heard screaming like this ever. And it was so hysterical that I, I couldn't even steer the damn dinghy. I was laughing so hard. And then no one wanted to touch the dinghy. And everybody's hanging out, making sure my mom doesn't fall off. <laughs> Everybody else is about to, all the girls are about to jump in the water because there's a fish flopping around in the dinghy. There's, there's uh, probably fish in the water. But I just, I, I couldn't film it because it was at night. I didn't have my GoPro with me. But anyway, um, I, I always, when I think about chartering, people ask me what crazy things can happen. Things like that can happen. And that was hysterical. 
it was just wonderful. Uh, the, another thing that I think about, which is a little more on the downside, but this is a, this is a learning experience. I went into, uh, in the Bahamas again, I went into Allen's Key, I think it was, where the iguanas are, and uh, turned my boat around. I was going to drop the hook. I dropped the hook. And, you know, you do your calculations in your head, how much hook to put out, how much chain to go. And I did it and settled in and went over to Allen's Key, played with the iguanas, came back. The tide had gone down and the back of the boat was sitting on sand. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that's the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I just didn't. I just didn't even check to where I floated to after I put the hook. So, I, I when people ask me, the crazy to me, that's crazy because that's just a dumb thing to do. But it was easy. I mean, just wait a few hours and boom, you're fine. And we actually just pushed it off with our dinghy and we were ready to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just just things like that kind of happen every now and then that you think, well, that's stupid or that's crazy or that's funny. So, I, I, I you, you know, when you go to the BVI and you you charter though, you'll be able to list dozens of things that answer that question because everything you're doing is so fresh and original and crazy you know who rides scooters on a on a caribbean island uh every day well that's what you do at anagata you know so it's just a lot of fun things like that 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 you don't do and, and every person i've ever taken on one of these charters whether it's bahamas or or bbi and it's the first time that every single one of them say the exact same thing. This was a trip of a lifetime. And because the experience that you get on one of these charters, doing what you get doing in the way that you're doing it, whenever you want to do it, you're in charge of your own boat, right? It's just an amazing experience. And everyone, everyone truly thinks it's a trip of a lifetime. Yeah, man, you do a phenomenal job documenting it all. That's um, maybe if the, lady behind the curtain can post the links to your channel. Where can we, where can we find you and follow your trips? Uh, just on, you go on YouTube and just search the wandering hillbilly uh, and then boom, I'll pop up and then you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see all my videos and you can just watch them all there. You can make comments. I answer just about every comment. At least I try to, cool. uh, you can follow me on Instagram, wandering hillbilly, uh, Facebook. I'm just me, Alan Carter. You can follow me there. Uh, and then, um, I try to post one every week, every other week, something like that, just updates. I'm going to do another update on COVID whenever it changes again. So I'll do that as well. And then, um, I, I now, and I periodically will make a video about answering questions, um, for your charter. So I'll do that as well. Cool. Um, so that, and then the exciting part is I've talked about this. I've, I've ordered a 54 from you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to have it by early middle may that's that's the hope and so um you know you'll start seeing adventures from that as well because you know that's it's 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 going to be kind of the next phase of our lives here where the kids are grown and it's time to do the next phase good for you man when's your next trip great question uh <laughs> be on your bed, well, yeah. yeah i was going to go to spring training but we know how that's going at the moment. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. Um, I am taking Sea Dream Yacht Club, the ship I was on. I'm taking it across the ocean uh, end of April. We're taking off from San Juan, Puerto Rico and going across the Atlantic to Barcelona. And then my wife's going to fly out and meet me. And then we're going to do another little tour there. Just the, just the two of us. So that's kind of a little three week European thing that my wife are going to do at the end of April, first of May. And then we're going to come home and get our new 54, hopefully. 
Oh, there. She just put the uh, links on the, the conversation there. Great. You guys still there? Hello. You guys are frozen. You guys are gone. Oh, you can hear me. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll answer this. If, if you guys can hear me, I'll answer a couple of questions here. Uh, uh, buh, 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 buh. Does the black water tank last for the whole week? Absolutely not. No. Uh, I, on my 54, I had six folks on and I dumped it maybe three times. Um, now I will say on the Aquilas, it's so much easier to dump the black water than on the moorings. Oh my gosh, there's no way to tell you. It's so much easier. Uh, on the 44 and the 48, you can dump it on a switch that's at the control panel inside the salon. Um, on the 54, you can do it from the helm, which is incredibly convenient. Um, uh, with a moorings, you actually have to go physically go down into a cabin, pick up the floor, lay down on your belly, reach around and grab a, um, a, a handle, a switch, flip it, let it run for 15, 20 seconds. Then it's a whole magilla. And if, you know, if the boat's doing this, it's really difficult to go down there and do that. So <clears throat> the kilos are much easier to, uh, to dump with. Of course you have to be out in a couple of miles as we all know, before you do that. Okay, so I'm, 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 this is my own show now, apparently. <laughs> Welcome to my show. I've always wanted my own show with no producers and no network, so here it is. Uh, let me see some other questions I can answer for you. Is it an issue to not have nav lights for the dinghy? I, I would not go out on a dinghy without a light. Simply because, like in the BVI around Virgin Gorda in the North Sound, there are boats flying all over the place, even at night. Uh, you know, like hotel boats and um, uh, super yachts that are out there. They have these big uh, boats that are flying. So they, they cannot see you so easily. So, you know, you always want to be well lit up on your dinghy at night, going both directions, always. Okay, going back up, just reading some more questions. Uh, the thing about the less crowded on this trip, you know, at Leverick Bay, the Friday night barbecue was a lot less crowded this time, too. And I think for two reasons, well, three, it was raining all day. So I think that deterred people. Uh, uh, secondly, uh, not as many people have come back because of COVID. And third, it will be more crowded in the summer. Um, and uh First time you saw me take a video of it, that was, I think, July. And this obviously was January. So I think they're just as far more crowded in the summer months. I'm guessing. 
Da-da. We answered the water temp question. Let me go back to the top. Maybe there's some I forgot. You know, the other thing is I was asked uh, how, how do you get from Cane Garden up to the North Sound? Oh, no, 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 that's not the question. The question was, can I get back to Nanny Key from Yost Van Dyke in time to return my boat at 10 a.m. on the last day? So my answer was, yes, you can do that. You just got to get up a lot earlier and get it over there, right? Because, I, I, again, you never know what can happen on any time you're going from one place to the next. But it's a little bit of a, of a, of a trek to go from Yost Van Dyke all the way around over to Nanny Key. Normally, I spend my last night at Norman or Cooper um just because it's easy right it's less than an hour and it's right there right i guess right, zip across the bay and you're there soper's hole would be very close to it as well if you wanted to spend your last night there the baths are fairly close to it so that's okay to spend the last night there <coughs> i also will say um we checked in at scrub island uh on our last trip and that's an incredible thing to do. I just love doing that because it's uh, it's just great to be at a resort and there, you feel like you're at a home marina. And um, it's just hey, like, Nick. Oh, but I can't log back in, so he'll just have to. Oh, I thought you. I, I can hear you now, guys. We'll think. All right. Never mind. Here, no, Keith, you, you can end it out. We're back on. So we could do it like last week. Where do you like to position provision in the BVI for food? Oh, listen, I love Bobby's supermarket. Um, and Bobby has a direct link with Marine Max where they'll deliver it straight to. And then Marine Max will also send you a link to their um, their provisioning list. Right. And the reason why I like Bobby's is, is their provisioning list is just very, very clear as to what it is you're ordering. Hey, guys, I'm, I just took over the show. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so their provision list is very, very clear, and you can um, have it delivered wherever you are. Uh, the question was asked to me, can, will they deliver it on another island? I don't know that answer, but call them and ask. I don't know. Um, but, and the other thing about them is they're very good with follow-up. Uh, for example, we landed in St. Thomas this last trip, and I got an immediate text from them saying the champagne – that the girls on board ordered wasn't, wasn't available. We have these two as a backup. Which one would you like? I just thought that was really good service, you know, and, and a lot of times service in the BVI can be very, you know, Island time type service. You know what I mean? So I thought they're, they're always very, very sharp and they're on the ball and they take care of things. And when we got to our charter, the stuff was already there. The refrigerator stuff was already in the refrigerator. The beer was already in the ice chest with ice. They did. They put it all in there for us. It was great. So I, I, I highly recommend Bobby's Supermarket. They're great for provisioning. How many trips have I been on Marine Max? I've been on about four. Have I done four Marine Maxes? Three or four. Can't remember. Maybe four. I don't know. Good save, Alan. <laughs> Thanks, man. You got to see what's going on behind the scenes back here behind us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, listen, I do live TV for a living, so I know how to improvise. Trust me. 
Well, cool, man. We'll have to have you back on again sometime and look forward to your delivery of the 54. I know you're going to be extremely impressed with what you do. I mean, you know that too. I am, and I've got so much to learn, and April will let you know. I've already emailed her like a million times asking her questions and stuff like that. I have Um, She gets a ton of questions. I'll send you some pictures pictures of her when she's sitting on the show. Great. That'd be good. Uh, So you're going to see a lot of uh, video of me learning how to to do this but um i'm so excited about it and so excited about this phase of our lives and it's it's gonna be fun congratulations congrats, man. Awesome. i'm thrilled that i'm doing it in an aquila with you guys i for three years i looked high and low as to what kind of boat to get um and i was not sold on aquila at the very beginning i really wasn't and um as a matter of fact when robertson leopard came out with the 43 and i'm sorry yep. the, 50, the 53 which was at the Miami boat show two years ago. Uh, I saw that and I thought, wow, that's kind of something I'm looking at. And I walked over and saw Raul and I was like, Raul, did you see the 53 over at Leopard? He looks at me and goes, it's nothing compared to the 54. It doesn't compare. And I was like, we'll prove it because they they didn't have one at that point. Right. Uh, The, the, the first 54 didn't show up until a year, a year ago. Right. And so uh, the more I kept looking at the specs and the pictures and the animation and stuff, it just kind of seemed right for me. And then when I actually saw it last year, I was like, heck yeah. You sold, you sold the first one, right? Yeah, yeah Nick sold the first 54. Spent a lot of real time on that boat. And I, I, I remember we got to wrap this up here soon, but I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I remember I picked up the buyers on the tarmac at the airport and through wet renderings to actual pictures. We had never seen the boat before. It was a big jump for both of us. So I picked them up, we went and saw it, and I'll never forget the rest of my life there at Clearwater Marina, looking, you know, they put them on a T-Dock right there, right? Mm-hmm. Looking and seeing that enclosed sky bridge and just like, man, like how emotional it was and putting your hands on it, seeing it, touching it, feeling it for the first time after the long wait. I went back, I told all the other salespeople that had Aquila's on order. At that point, it was 14. Now it's at the 80. I said, guys, you know, you've seen the pictures, you've seen the renderings. Lead confidently with all your buyers with boats on order because the boat is all it's hyped up to be and then some. And yes. and, and you're going to have that same experience, and, and that's really, really cool. I can't wait to have it. It'll be great. <laughs> well, I look forward to it, man. And I want to thank you for joining us here today. And of course, want to thank everybody for the good questions on YouTube and Facebook. Of course, just because the live stream's ending, feel free to drop them. We'll get to them. Yep. Make sure to check Alan out, and we'll see you guys next month. Thanks, guys, for your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye, bye.